This is a teaching from Grace River Church in O'Fallon, Missouri. Our prayer is that this sermon will help inspire you to take the next step of your faith with Jesus Christ. Hey, what's up? My name is Chris Ifill, lead pastor at Grace River Church. I want to say thank you so much for watching online at home today. Today we are in the middle of a series called Threaded, and we're talking about uh, how the Bible is not a set of stories, but one big story helping people, point people to Jesus, uh, our, our Savior, the one that has come to rescue us. And so uh, that's the theme and the idea behind this series. And so uh, I'm excited, and my hope is that you take next steps as you meet no and follow Jesus. And so uh, today you may be familiar with this logo, right? If you've ever driven behind an ambulance, if you've ever walked into a hospital, you've probably seen this on a wall or graphically somewhere. And this particular graphic or logo, if you look at it, it's kind of weird because it's, it's, it's actual snakes wrapped around a cross. And you may wonder, what did this come from? And I want you to know, this actually comes from a story in the Bible. And so, uh, and ultimately this story in the Bible actually points us to Jesus. And so we're going to jump into this. We're in the book of Numbers today, Numbers chapter 21. Uh, and just to catch you up to speed, Moses uh, is in this story and he's leading the nation of Israel. Uh, and this, this group of people uh, were uh, once in captivity in Egypt and now... Uh, they're, they're free people, but they're wandering in the wilderness. And so uh, they're in a time period in the wilderness where uh, they're getting manna from God, from heaven, which is like a daily little bread thing that God would give them uh, that would come down from heaven to earth every single morning. And that would be what they would have uh, provision with life for. But ultimately, uh, in the early days of this 40-year journey, they, they received the manna from God and they appreciated it. Uh, but like most human beings, we kind of get sick of things after a while, right? And that's where we find in the story in Numbers chapter 21. Now, I was thinking about this for myself. Like if, if I had a, a, a source of food that I had to eat every single day, what would it be? And think about that for yourself for a second. Like what kind of food could you eat every single day? Like some people could say, man, I could have pizza every day. Or I could have Italian food every day. Uh, or I could have, you know, fried chicken every day. For me, uh, my genre of food that I think I could literally eat every single day, I could probably have barbecue every single day. Like, I love barbecue. Uh, I, could, I could have smoked chicken, smoked turkey, smoked pork, uh, smoked beef. Like, I could do it all. Ribs, whatever. Like, I love barbecue, right? But manna wasn't quite like barbecue. So that's important to keep in mind as well. So maybe the metaphor breaks down a bit. But Numbers chapter 21, verse 4. Then the people of Israel set out from the Mount Hor, taking the road to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. But the people grew impatient with the long journey. So again, uh, this nation of Israel, they're on a journey. They're wandering in the wilderness, in the desert. Uh, and so then in verse 5, and, and, and they began to speak against God and Moses. So Moses was their leader and God was obviously their spiritual leader. And so, but they began to, to murmur and they had problems. They began to speak against God and Moses. And here's what they said. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die here in the wilderness? And so it's almost like they're saying it was better when we were slaves to the Egyptians. Um, so why have you brought us here? They complain and there's nothing to eat here. There's nothing to drink. And look at this. And we hate this horrible manna. So they're just griping, right? I don't know if you've ever had a bad day and it just seems like everything's wrong. And that's kind of what's happening here. Like this, this whole nation is in an uproar. They're, they're all upset. 
Uh, the poll ratings are really down for Moses and for God, and they're really ticked off about it. So God responds, and God's response initially feels kind of unfair. Like, it kind of, like they're just kind of complaining. But look at what God does next. That's a, the initial response. So the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people. This is like an Indiana Jones movie. And many were bitten and died. Like, this is why it feels a little dramatic. Like, they, they were just complaining about the food and the water situation and the wandering around thing and kind of like going, hey, you know, in Egypt, we didn't have to wander like this. In Egypt, we didn't have to eat like this. And then all of a sudden, God sends some venomous snakes and people get bitten and they die. But this is all for a point. God's pointing them to something and pointing us to something. Then in verse 7, then the people came to Moses and they cried out. Okay, they, they kind of get their act together here. They're like, ah, all right, we're changing our tune. They go to Moses and they're like, hey, we've sinned by speaking against the Lord and speaking against you. They're saying, hey, we got some dirt on our skirt. Like we got a problem here, right? Pray that the Lord will take away the snakes. So Moses prayed for the people. I love this. This is like real friendship here because I think friendships are kind of hard to maintain from time to time, right? Like, like it's tough. Uh, we, we offend each other. We do dumb things and we make mistakes. But what I love about this is they, they're quick to own it, right? They, like they're quick to go, hey, we, we sinned, we messed up and we sinned against God. But Moses, we also sinned against you. We were talking some pretty serious trash about you, Moses. And so they, they come to Moses and say, Moses, will you, will you please pray for us that the snakes would go away? And what's great is Moses doesn't hold a grudge. Moses is like, okay, you know what, you know, you know what I'm going to do? I'm, I am going to pray th that this happens. And then uh, the Lord tells Moses something. The Lord told him, told Moses, make a replica of a poisonous snake and attach it to a pole. This is the oddest remedy I've ever heard of in my entire life. Because you think about it, like this, this is a major problem. People are being bitten by snakes. God could have taken care of this any way that he wanted to, but he chose this way. And what we're going to see is that there's actually a parallel here uh, to the New Testament. There's a parallel to this story, uh, to the remedy that God has in this story, and the same remedy that God has for us currently today with our sin, with his only son, Jesus. So we're going we're gonna to keep going. All who are bitten, they, they got to attach the replica of a poisonous snake and attach it to a pole, and all who are bitten will live if they simply, I love the exclamation mark, don't miss this, if they simply look at it. So if you want to know the remedy in this situation, create a replica of a snake, put it up on a bronze pole, and if they look, they live. It's not, don't, they don't have to go touch it, right? They don't have to go uh, run around it. They don't have to pick up the, 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 all they have to do is look and live. That's it. And man, there's an amazing parallel here. So so Moses made a snake out of the bronze and attached it to a pole, and then anyone who was bitten by a snake could look and the bronze snake and, and be healed. So there are four, four things, four threads in this story that I think are really important. First of all, there's a sickness. And man, that sickness isn't all of us even today. Like every single one of us have a sickness. And man, there, there's something inside of our, our broken, sinful hearts that we're discontent with everything that God has given us. We're going to talk more about that in a second, but there's a sickness. There's a preparation that has to happen for us to be healed. Like, there's this thing that has to happen, like we have to repair our hearts for God to come in and change our hearts. There's a preparation. And there, there's actually a prescription of, okay, what has to happen in order for us to get well? Like, in our sinful state, what has to take place? There's a prescription. And then, ultimately, we got to receive the healing. There's, a, there's an action step to take 
where we're receiving. And in this story, it's just simply looking and living. So let's talk about all four of these a little more in depth. First of all, there's a sickness, right? And that sickness really in this story is a, is a discontentment. And I think about our lives, man, we're never really satisfied. Like all of us are kind of always looking for more. In fact, uh, the actor Jim Carrey says this. I love this quote. He says, I think everyone should get rich and famous and do everything they've ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. Man, that's a powerful quote because what Jim Carrey is really saying here is, is the more that you make, the more status you have, the more things that you gather, it's not the answer. And that's why we all, to a certain extent, struggle with discontentment. Back to this particular story and the thread behind that in verse 5. They began to speak against God and Moses and they were saying, hey, why did you bring us here in the wilderness? And, and they ultimately say, we're sick of this horrible manna. Like God provided for them and they were sick of it. Can you imagine that for a second, talking to God like that? Like he's given you the house that you live in. And to be honest, some of us are unsatisfied with the house that we live in. He's given us the jobs that we have and some of us are unsatisfied with the jobs that we have. So he's given us the family that we have and we're unsatisfied with the family that we have. He's given us the spouse that we have and some of us are unsatisfied with the spouse that we had. He's, he's given us everything we have. We, we say this a lot at our church. We're the owners of nothing but the managers of everything. God is literally, everything I have is on loan from him. He's given me everything. But often I'm discontent with everything. And so the sickness inside of all of us is this unquenchable thirst for more. And in this story, God's just saying, hey, look, all you need is me. Like all you need is a relationship with me. Look and live. So first of all, it really starts with the sickness. And then the, the preparation for healing. I mean, we look at the, the preparation that had to happen here is they recognized they were sick and they were in trouble. And that's oftentimes what happens is trouble comes. Like we're like, okay, I'm in trouble. Oh, and I need God now. And a lot of us are circumstantial with our faith. Like you're good when everything's okay, right? When your health is good, when your job is good, when your marriage is good, when your kids are good, you're good. But when trouble comes, that's whenever you know you need God, right? So they were bitten by snakes. That was their trouble, right? Uh, and then there's this kind of need for healthy relationships. And the people came to Moses. They cried out. Can you imagine like a little bit of the embarrassing nature of coming to Moses and saying, hey, listen, I, I got I to tell you, like we messed up. Right? And there's a need, uh, whenever we're talking about being healed, there's a need for healthy relationships. And ultimately, the blame shifting ends because they say, hey, it's, it, Moses, we're not even complaining about the food. Right? We're not even complaining about the manna. We're not complaining about wandering in the wilderness. They're just saying, hey, this was our fault. We sinned against you and sinned against God. And ultimately, when we're talking about a preparation for healing, I think it starts really with us recognizing that we're in trouble. It also helps us to go, man, I need healthy friendships. Like, if you're looking for God to heal something in your life, I think it's important that you lean into healthy friendships and maybe even go make some friendships right that you know that you wronged. Like you could easily go, hey man, I got some dirt on my skirt in that friendship. I got to go fix that, right? And then ultimately it, it, it stops with the blame shifting. It's saying, I'm, I'm done blaming other people, man. This is my own fault. Like I'm in the spot that I'm in. In order for God to come in and heal you, it's going to require that you admit that it was you that did, did wrong, right? Now, maybe your circumstance and maybe your idea, maybe the situation wasn't ideal, but listen, we've all done some things that we need to simply admit and go, okay, I, I'm broken and it's not just because of my broken past and my broken childhood and my broken relationships. I'm broken because there's a dislocation in my own heart. 
like there's a problem with me. So the second, second thing here is just the preparation for healing. The third is the prescription. And this is, odd. This is the oddest prescription that I could ever, that, that God could ever think up. I mean, you look at this in verse 8. Again, he says, hey, take a replica of a poisonous snake. The very thing that they're afraid of right now. I mean, can you imagine? Like, they're afraid of getting bitten by snakes. Their friends and family members are dying from these snakes biting them. And then God says, hey, make a replica of that. And so there's problems with the prescription. First of all, there's a psychological problem. Like, dude, first of all, they have to be terrified of snakes at this point. Like, most normal people are terrified of snakes. Like, for me, I, when I go to the St. Louis Zoo, I skip that whole building. Like, I'm not interested. It can be 120 degrees outside, and I still don't want to go into that, into the building with the snakes and the reptiles. Like, for me, I'm just like, yeah, I'm cool. I'll sweat it out, whatever. I'll go get a lemonade. Like, I'm not interested. And so, like, even for them, though, like, psychologically, there's this, this thing where it's like, man, why would you want to look at a snake after being bitten by a snake? So that's one problem with the prescription. The other problem, there's actually a theological problem with this in some cases because you think about uh, the opinion historically of snakes. Genesis chapter 3, uh, we talked about that the very first week of this sermon series how was sin introduced into the world? Where was the, the first lie told? Who told the first lie? It was a serpent. It was a, a snake. And even in the book of Leviticus, they're told that they're not supposed to eat snakes. And so, like, theological, theologically, there's a, a real problem here because snakes are always kind of bent towards this evil idea. So, what is God trying to get to here? Well, great question, right? John chapter 3. This is the thread, the big thread in the story happens with a conversation that Jesus has with a guy named Nicodemus. And it's in John chapter 3 whenever Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night. Now Nicodemus, a little backstory behind this guy, he's a religious leader in the community, uh, and, but he had questions about who Jesus was. Like there was something nagging at Nicodemus. In fact, the most quoted verse of all time, uh, John three sixteen, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, happens in this little story. So Nicodemus comes and visits Jesus by night, and he's got some questions about what it means to be born again, to start with a, with a new life. Um, and Jesus is really using the metaphor that every one of us have been bitten by a snake. Every single one of us have been bitten by this venomous sin problem, right? And so Jesus is saying what the solution is. And Jesus uses this story in Numbers and says this, And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. He's saying, I'm going to be put on a cross, just like those snakes were, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Jesus is saying, look, in this story, they looked at the snakes and lived. But in my story, in, in this gospel story, it's look at me and live. And I know that snakes are meant to be like evil or whatever, but Jesus himself, the man who knew no sin, became sin for us on the cross so we could look at him and live. An innocent man, guilty of nothing, goes to the cross for me and goes to the cross for you so that John 3, 16 and 17 happened. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his, his only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world, the world through him. That's the prescription. And my, my question today is, is, have you looked to Jesus? Like, are you looking to him or are you looking to things? Are you looking to people? Are you looking to advice? Are you looking to yourself? Look 
and live. My hope is, is that you would receive the healing and that you would ultimately look to Jesus and live. Numbers 21, verse 9. So Moses made a snake out of the bronze and attached it to a pole. Then anyone who was bitten by a snake could look at the bronze snake and be healed. I wonder today, man, have you looked to Jesus? So some next steps for us to all to take. Some common threads in the story is this. Is man, are you willing today to admit that you're sick? Like, have you came to a place in your life where you've recognized that you're in trouble? Like, you've lived your life all these years this way, and it's led to where we're at today, which is definitely your need for some help. Do you find yourself in the same trouble they found themselves in when they recognize that, man, they, I've sinned against God, and the reason why my relationships are broken, the reason why my emotions are broken, the reason why I'm physically broken is because I need Jesus. Like, admit that you're sick, and then develop some healthy friendships, man. Like, you need healthy people in your life, healthy friendships in your life to take next steps. I've never taken a next step alone. And here in a few weeks, we're going to have small group sign-ups starting, and I think it's really important uh, that you carve out a, a night a week to go be in community and live in community with people and take a next step by joining a small group. And so I just want you to, to think about and consider, man, you can't do life alone. Like, you need other people. You need healthy friendships, especially as you talk about, especially as you talk about pursuing Jesus. And then the, the third and last next step is look to Jesus. Like, instead of looking within or looking outside, that you would look to him. I love this story in Numbers 21 because they were bitten by snakes and all they had to do was look. You know, religion says do. Religion says you got to do this and do that. You got to do better. You got to try harder. Here's the good news about Jesus. It's about believing and receiving what's already been done for you. Your life will drastically change the more you start staring at Jesus. Would you look at him so you can really live? I think there's some next steps for us to all to take today, but I'm going to specifically pray about this third next step. Maybe you've never received Christ, and today is your day to simply say, man, I'm ready to look to him. Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment and close your eyes no matter where you're at? And I wonder today, is this the next step for you to take? And if it is, if receiving Christ and asking Jesus to be the Lord of your life is your next step, you can pray a prayer just like this. God, today I, I recognize that I'm in trouble. That I've been living my life my own way for a long time and I've got some problems. That I've sinned against you. And so God, today I believe that you sent your only son to come and die in my place. God, not so that I could just have a better life, but God, so that I could be rescued from my sin. God, today I confess that you and only you are my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me and for changing me and making me a Christian. It's in Jesus' name that we pray all this. Amen. Thanks again for listening. We would love to see you at one of our in-person services that meet on Sunday at 8.30, 9.45, and 11 a.m. If you feel so inclined to give, you can do so at www.graceriver.cc. Have a great week.